From the Island Institute, it's Commercial Currents, the podcast, a show about small business on Maine's islands and coast. And I'm your host, Claire Donnelly. And today's show is a status check. As we've been transitioning from just surviving and hunkering down to actually figuring out how to live and carry on with daily life during this pandemic, it felt like a good time to go back and check in with those first few business owners I spoke with. So this is actually going to be a two-part series. Today, we'll be getting an update from Allison Tebow of Windhorse Arts out on Vinyl Haven Island. I talked to her in episode three, and we'll also be hearing from Liz Lovell, the co-owner of North Haven Brewing Company, from episode five. And then the next episode, we'll check in with 44 North and Pendleton Yacht Yard. So if you haven't listened to those first few episodes, that is okay. I think you'll still find value in hearing where these folks are at today. But I also have to say it's kind of interesting to go back and hear where we were at at the beginning of March and April. We were like these little pandemic babies with no idea of the scope, scale, and impact this would have. But here we are, six months later. So first up is Allison. We'll hear about her decision to close the doors to her shop and about the ways in which she has set herself up to succeed despite that. And just in general, how her summer is going. Going, it's going as you know as well as one could expect. I definitely stepped back from being open at all. I'm just open by appointment. Um, we've experienced, um, in my mind, uh, a, an extraordinary amount of day trippers that make me nervous to be open. My my space is very small. I have no ventilation. I have no back window. No back door. I've had two bad experiences with people that weren't respectful of our requests. So uh, it makes me really um, uncomfortable to have to be the judge when someone walks into my shop and they're not doing something right and I have to like reprimand them. What I was pushing against was just the, the really poor ventilation in my space by the nature of the space. My, you know, I, I don't own the building. I'm not going to go bust a hole in the back and make a door so that I have cross breeze. So it gets stagnant in there really fast, which on a normal summer is bad. But in this summer, it just made me more conscious of things that can hang in the air for a longer period of time. And then that coupled with what I'm witnessing is pretty much a lackadaisical attitude towards the virus that as the longer we in Maine go with with such good um, numbers around it, the more lax people are, seem to be getting. And I'm feeling like I'm going the opposite way and, and getting more nervous. I don't know. I, I, I keep coming back to what Dr. Shaw said, which is at the beginning, you're going to think you're overreacting. And when you look back on it in hindsight, you're going to think you didn't do enough fast enough. Yeah, I hear that. Um. It's interesting. You know, I don't think I've talked to a business owner who explicitly closed their doors for their own personal safety, more along the lines of, you know, financial viability or things like that. Um, I think it's really great that you were able to do that and, and able to make that call. I have a really enviable position because I already was online. I already had a, a good base of customers through that forum. Um, I definitely need to boost it. You know, I mean, I needed to do some work and I was successful in getting the PPP and that bought me some really good breathing room. So I haven't quite navigated how to get the grant application going, but that's another program. <laughs> 
Yeah, I actually had a question about that because last time we had spent a lot of time talking about your PVP process. I mean, I know we're kind of all just in a waiting game, waiting for the forgiveness part to start. Yeah, Camden seems to be okay. I mean, Camden seems to be proactive and they're addressing their... um, uh, the grant forgiveness component, and I'm and they I get emails from them every once in a while that says don't worry about it yet we're gonna we're gonna make it really simple for you. They were really good once you know once they figured out what to do with the PPP stuff they they really they were um, proactive about how they were gonna handle all of it so that was good. Nice yeah that's good to hear. Cool. So you're, you know, selling online, you've got your e-commerce shop going, you've got a little PPP funding. Is that, will that be enough to sort of get you through and make it to next summer? Or are there other ways that you're sort of building resilient systems right now? You know, we've been hearing about people who are using this time to sort of like innovate or get creative. You know, I think as most of us in, in, you know, I hate to just say Maine, because I think it happens in a lot of parts of the country, we're pretty resilient. And um, I just quickly navigated different ways to make it work uh, as far as creating enough net income that I might be able to actually pay my mortgage all year, you know, that kind of a thing. So I reduced my expenses every single place I could consider reducing them short of getting rid of my horses. (laughs) And I so I reduced the expenses and I uh, took part time work. Um, with somebody else so that I actually had a paycheck and money I could count on for for some things. And I started a whole nother business. And it's going really well. So my new business is Windhorse Consulting. And uh, the, 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 the gist of it is empowering independent creatives. And I'm helping people uh, set up their website and navigate a social media marketing world that works for what they do. Wow, what a perfect business to be starting right now. That's fantastic. Have you started getting any clients? How's it going? Yeah, I've already have six. So, so it gets even more exciting, I think. I just am like silver linings abound through this crisis. It really is amazing. I'm building a studio at my house so that I can have bigger space and I can finally take that leap into teaching, which is what a lot of people have have requested over the years. You know, can't you do a workshop? Can't you do this? And, you know, it's a hard thing to go from making something to feeling confident enough that you could actually show someone else how to make that something. Um, And I'm not sure if I'm there yet, but um, I'm definitely looking forward to trying that. And so uh, I've staked out where the studio is going to go. And, you know, now we'll just, you know, figure out how I'm going to fund it. But I'm sure I'll find a way. So, (laughs) Wow. I have to tell you, this makes me so happy to hear. I went back and listened to our first conversation this morning. And what a true 180. You've started a new business. You're building a studio to start teaching. I, uh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, what a world we landed in. It was like the rug got pulled out from under us. And, you know, that's a that's a hard place to go. And uh, when you are self-employed and have been and you don't have the advantage of a paycheck, it's really unsettling. And I'm by no means am I completely, you know, like, oh, this is going to be great. But it felt really good to be able to go get a job and and work and have a paycheck if I needed to do that and you know there's it's not easy work I'm gardening it's but it's good work and 
boy, you know, there's nothing better than grounding yourself in the ground, right? You know, getting your hands in that dirt. But um, it does it does feel good. And, and I know that I would not have even considered putting a studio at my house with this this uh, clarity if I hadn't um, been faced with this crisis. You know, I would have just muddled along and, you know, the, the studio works great where I am and I do like that component of studio and retail space. Um, but it also is limiting because there's some things you just can't do in a studio in a building that you don't own and in a studio where there's the public interface all the time. So it'll be nice to have a studio space separate from that. And the intention is to keep the retail space. So um, it's certainly an expansion of my business in a time that I never would have thought I would consider expanding. Wow. Well, Allison, thank you so much for this. It's been really like energizing and encouraging. Thank you so much for chatting. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. It's good to it's good to kind of recap it. And, you know, I do love the fact that out of this crisis, there's definitely been um, some some good new growth that that is just beginning to poke its little head out of the earth. So next up is my conversation with Liz Lovell of North Haven Brewing Company. Liz and I talked back in April, and at the time, she and her business partners had been really quick to just commit to not opening the tasting room and starting up a delivery service for their cans of beer for the whole summer. Um, So I just wanted to check in and sort of see how that long-term planning had paid off for them. I feel like for us in particular, our business... um, is maybe even hold on i'll start that thought again i'm just gonna shut the window Mm. (laughs) although that speaks to my point my children are outside yelling because i'm at home right now um it's just our you know our small business really our our personal lives definitely affect how we run it and so for us, planning four months in advance is very typical and necessary. We'd love to have a vaccine, be able to open our doors, but um, as far as that planning still being relevant and worthwhile, we're implementing it every day, every week, and still working and piggybacking off of that same framework that we had to just pivot so quickly. When you're a small business owner, it's it feels like its own living thing, your business and this thing that you nurture and you grow. And then to even say the words, do we shut the doors for a little while and see what happens in a year? It's like, it's hard to say out loud, but it's worth exploring every single option. And that had to be one of them. Um, luckily for us, we were like, no, we are going to make this happen no matter what. We had worked it out so that we could stay open all year round. And we were really excited about that, even though it was at a much smaller scale. Definitely this year, our space is so small. I know that other tasting rooms are able to open safely. For us, we just can't figure out a way to do it because of the small space. It may be that we'll just have to go back to a model that we used. I think it was our first year we didn't stay open through the winter and I think this year we probably it's looking like we won't um so we'll do can sales as long as we can and then we'll probably at some point shut down production and then just sell um the product that we have on hand 
Yeah, totally. And I guess actually just to kind of back up a little bit and paint our listeners a picture. So you've got twin five-year-old boys, you've got a newborn baby, you're running a small business during COVID. Sort of just like, how you holding up? Like, how's it going? Uh, Good. I mean, luckily, uh, the people that I work with are my brother and a very good friend who also has a young child and his wife works. So the understanding of what we're all just trying to get through right now, and especially without, you know, extra resources or, you know, things like childcare, just, you know, having a second job and that sort of thing, we're all working together to make it work for each one of us. But, you know, obviously that's not not the same scenario in a big corporation or even a bigger small business. I mean, I think we're as tiny as they come. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going. I don't uh, see it sustaining itself. I like the podcast that you did about the recession affecting women that you posted to your Instagram feed. I was like, oh, I'm listening to that. I'm right now. I'm turning it on while I work because um, it just is. It's really interesting, especially with looking into the fall without school starting and just kind of continuing on this potential for you know just having the kids home a lot and how you work around that or with it because they're such you know they're they are the priority so (laughs) you gotta you gotta really just be creative and make it work yeah absolutely and I love that you're saying that like while we can hear them running around you um So can I ask, how are the can sales working out? You know, in our first conversation, you had talked about having to reinvent your whole business model without the tasting room component, which was the majority of your income, and just sort of rely on the sales of cans and delivering them. And, you know, you weren't sure if that was going to make money or lose money or what. So I'm just curious, how is that all shaking out for you guys? Yeah, so uh, our experiment is working as predicted. Um, we are actually selling more cans than we thought we were, or we didn't know, I guess we should say we didn't anticipate what the sales would be. What we did was say, this is how much we need to sell in order to break even. And so we've surpassed that, which is great. I mean, to honestly, it's not enough that you would ever want to run a business like this for the long term because it's, it's not going to make anybody much money, but, (laughs) but it's working for right now, which is very exciting for us. And it's definitely put a little more wind in our sails because we're thinking about, you know, different things that we could can as well, or, you know, or how we could get pre-shrunk cans, order in big bowl, get ready for next season, and maybe even continue to do deliveries in the future because, uh, there's a different, um, client base or patron base that seems to be into ordering online and having beer delivered to their door. Um, so it could be what could come out of this is, um, is another sales avenue that we hadn't explored before and wouldn't have, um, or, you know, just another packaging. Nice. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it's working, you know, at least relatively well. When you're talking about sort of weighing the costs of staying open right now, I feel like And this is just sort of my own perception from having these conversations, but certainly not as a small business owner working my ass off right now for less return than I'm used to. But I feel like doing exactly what y'all are doing of sort of like making it work, staying in the practice of your business, of being in business makes a lot of sense right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like like I was saying, it really is like this living 
thing that it's like as soon as you pull yourself back from it it you going back into it you've really got to catch up and this winter when we've talked about saying all right we'll probably stop production at some point and just sell the cans but we're not seeing the tasting room open in the winter at any point um but we've also talked about but let's use this time to make improvements to the space get ready for next year you know hope for the best and uh, and really keep working for a great next season. So we're not, you know, just shutting the doors and leaving the space and saying, we'll be back to this in March. Um, but like you're saying, just keeping with it and keeping up with what's going on and how we're going to have to adapt because it may not be the end of that. Yeah, totally. That is, you know, a distinct possibility. So here we are at the end of summer, and I asked you when we first talked in April about your short-term and long-term concerns, and I'm just sort of wondering where they lay now, sort of what is top of mind for you as we move into the winter? So where I am now versus where I was, I think for us, and especially on North Haven and the sales model that we're using with just the cans, I see it, you know, it's going to be done. Our season's going to be done in three weeks really like we've got to cram into the next three weeks whatever we can um and then it's going it just kind of drops off and trickles out um and that's just because of the people it's nothing else it's just that there's just not the um the market to sell to so i think yeah that's where we're at right now i don't have any high hopes for the off season for us for being anything like it has been in past years, which is too bad, but I am, we are feeling hopeful for um, next spring. And definitely, you know, we're still listening to the news and we feel like once vaccines come through, that'll be a game changer for businesses, um, especially in a situation like ours that really needs something pretty dramatic to change either in um, therapeutics or, you know, or testing or whatever, but to get this under control so that we can allow people back into a small space to socialize. Yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like for all the unknowns, there's a lot more known now, or, or maybe we're just like more comfortable with living in all the unknowns. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, but it's still, you know, nothing is certain. I have hope, but I also am just like, I wouldn't be surprised if I got surprised in a month that, you know, we can't, we can't figure this, we can't figure it out. Because I'm so shocked that we have not, we don't have a solution yet. Like the entire world is working on this issue and affected by this issue. And we are still where we are. Yeah, it's wild. Well, Liz, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate it. And I hope we get to hang out in real life soon. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And be sure to check back in a couple weeks for part two of our status check episode. I also wanted to remind you all about our business resilience grant program. This is the micro grant program through the Tom Glenn Community Impact Fund. It's funding to help businesses pivot and build more resilient systems in the wake of COVID-19 and after. They are grants of up to $1,500 to support island and coastal small businesses, artisan makers, and marine businesses. So for more information, you can visit islandinstitute.org backslash Tom Glenn Community Impact Fund or follow the link in the description below. 
And as always, you can subscribe to our Commercial Currents newsletter at islandinstitute.org backslash smallbusiness. This is our small business support newsletter, so you'll get resources, blog posts, and information on our upcoming events and workshops delivered right to your inbox. And this podcast is now on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, so be sure to subscribe and follow and share with your friends. And please hit me up and let me know what you liked, didn't like, or who I should talk to next. I'm on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email me at cdonnelly at islandinstitute.org. This episode was edited and produced by Jack Sullivan and me.